changing. I went through exactly the same thing at your age on May 3rd. <laughs> Not exactly. Suit up. With great power comes great responsibility. For the ultimate spin. I want to take you on a roller coaster. Awesome! Spider-Man. You do too much. You're not Superman. PG-13. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. You may not select the commercial that we just listened to, but I just wanted to tell you that I want to take you on a roller coaster. Oh my God, like what is <laughs> happening with this uh, this TV spot, promo, whatever it is, trailer? It's the early 2000s. People forget that uh, it was weird then too. <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to venture back to Spider-Man from 2002. Which falls into our realm of 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s. It does. The 2002 is the year we graduated high school. Yeah, it was. It came out in May, and so we were still in high school a little bit. But uh, I remember going to see this movie in the theater and uh, it being pandemonium all over the place. It was a massive, uh, massive hit. You would. You would remember that. Okay. Not you. You were coked out or something. Oh, my God. (laughs) You can't say that. I don't think you were coked out. I've never done cocaine. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about Spider-Man. Yeah. We're going to talk about what we've been watching recently. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say this real quick. Uh, it's Animal April, oh. but more specifically, it's Arachnid April. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it extends to exactly this episode. This is true. So this <laughs> is a, an annual tradition that uh, following our March Madness extravaganza we always do animal april where we talk about movies with animals or an arachnid man okay so like uh (laughs) yeah this is a little bit of a stretch that's okay it does feature one animal at one point an arachnid yeah Yeah. okay so that's what we're doing animal april all right okay what have you been watching recently tyler you know not much really i have been uh uh watching a few things here and there but you know one thing i want that's notable uh, in re- regards to this podcast is that uh, I had seen it, but now you have now seen Spider-Man No Way Home because it's out on the Blu-ray. We got the Blu-ray. And so you had not seen it. And it had been a long period of you uh, avoiding spoilers, which was apparently easy for you, okay. except for me randomly just saying things. Yeah. So, you know, we can, it's a funny thing with you mm-hmm. is that you think that uh, the world, everyone yeah. in the world yeah is as connected to all news items regarding movies as you are, and I, that's just not no, the case. No, I don't think that, but in regards to this particular Spider-Man movie, which made a bunch of money during a pandemic, during like a peak period of like a new variant or whatever, uh, it's notable that people saw this and people know, uh, you know, know the big deals about it. And then you've seen uh, commercials that spoil some of this. You saw the Oscars, which spoiled this uh, uh, element. Y- yeah, but like, which is annoying. I don't need to like. I don't. Okay, so before I watch a movie, I don't a movie like this. I don't need it to be spoiled. I'm not like no. actively avoiding spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I just don't want to have a conversation about Got it. it. Like, great. I understand there's things happening on the peripheral, but like you being you and knowing all the things about movies and that being a thing you like to talk about, want to talk about movies. Uh-huh. And so for this one, I was like, I don't want to talk about it till I've seen it. Well, I forget sometimes that because I really don't care about spoilers. But I mean, here's the thing. Like, I I mean, it's out. In, it's out on Blu-ray now. So spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home. It's been four months. 
Um, I knew about a year prior to this movie coming out that they were obviously going to have multiple Spider-Men in the movie. Uh, We already had an end of the Spider-Verse animated film. They were marketing it based on characters from the previous movies like Doc Ock and Green Goblin reappearing. So it wasn't like this... But see, like, I didn't know all those things. Yes, but I'm just saying, like, I don't care about... Like, that doesn't hinder my experience to think, like, oh, look, a movie that has multiverse things happening, it, you know, stands to reason there might be multiple Spider-Men in the movie. Yeah. You know, that being said, I think that, um, look, it's weird now because it's been out a while and it's made gobs of money and, you know, it's been overpraised and maybe labeled as overrated, blah, blah, blah. And I think that, um, you know, I'm wary of this... uh, these like I've grown to be wary of these nostalgia grabs, like these little like, well, remember this, and we like this in this movie, you know, because we've we've gotten this from Star Wars and and Ghostbusters and all these things have, they're doing that thing where they're like, oh no, you like this old thing here, we're gonna rehash it in a certain way to make it feel like it's that old thing, and it can be problematic, it can be annoying. I think in the case of this Spider-Man movie, um, you know, I think there are shortcomings here and there, but for the large part, like. The bringing of the Spider-Men together works. Like it's fun, and it um, it pays off. I think story-wise, and I think that there's a good dynamic. It's not too much of the movie, um, so I don't know. I think it's an example of it being like fine and really kind of fun. But what are your thoughts? You're the one who's just seen it for the first time. I did just see it for the first time. Um, I really liked uh, the animated Spider-Man movie. This Into whole, the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Is that the th- whole time you were thinking that? Yeah, I was like, well, there just want to be that movie, huh? Yeah. Um, I was enjoying the Spider-Mans that came back. Mm-hmm. That's an hour and a half in, though. So it is an hour and a half in. So were you enjoying the movie in. before that? Doctor Strangeness of it? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> High praise. <laughs> um, I like all the actors. Yeah. I like all the characters. Um, a Spider-Man guy. He has got a lot of personality. I Tom like. Holland, I like that. About? Like, yeah, I buy him as a teenager. I yeah. buy him as a high school student. I like those. Th- these three movies have done, and yeah, the Avengers movies too. But like, I like Tom Holland. I like Zendaya as MJ. Has a whole different energy and vibe to it. They have the, their friend Ned. It definitely feels like these all three of the movies definitely have a more feel of being like useful. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, we'll talk about it like Tobey Maguire, even in 2002, looks about 30 playing the high school kids. So, you know, it, it's hard. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, I liked the Doctor Strange stuff. A couple things I really appreciated was that um, Doctor Strange is such like a cocky asshole, right? Like he's just like this like cocky guy. And he kind of sucks at his like his he's not great i i like how like there was a conversation where uh wong is like the top wizard guy yeah because of you know and he's like oh i got blipped but it's like well also like maybe you're not the best like let's just maybe say that seems like there's a whole movie coming out next month that's on the premise of like maybe dr strange is not great at this Uh i liked um how spider-man was like i'm gonna solve my problem by going to this wizard to solve it all instead of just like and he gets called out like you didn't call the admissions office and like plead your case like i appreciated that like call out i also appreciated that like uh at first you're just like this premise seems really like you're really forcing this it's a little flimsy thing to come together yeah it is Um, a little bit but i i I felt like they pulled it off well here's the thing like i think that it's not like great logic and it seems like a lot of people are making really bad decisions but at the same time, it's light on its feet. 
it kind of gets through that quickly and lightheartedly so that like, okay, you know, we're watching a movie where Doc Ock from the old movies comes back and uh, Jamie Foxx comes back from the other one. I did not like Jamie Foxx. Well, here's the thing. This is the thing when we were watching it, you realize like, I don't think I've seen any of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. And that's probably true because there's like a lizard in this that you don't have any recollection okay, of. But here's the thing. I have seen it. The first one, at least, with <laughs> yeah. Gar- Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just so bad. I just mm, purged. They're very forgettable. And here's like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone are pr- pretty good in both of those movies. It's, and as evidenced by, I think Andrew Garfield is uh, great and steals the movie in the last part of this movie. Yeah. To the point where you're just like, do I like those amazing spider And it's like, no, the answer is no, but he's very good at playing this particular kind of Spider-Man. Yes. I and really, really liked him. What doesn't work is so much is like Jamie Foxx, who's, you know, by seemingly by request is like gotten rid of the blue aspect of uh, Electro, but he doesn't necessarily seem like he's thrilled to be there. Leather, or not Leatherhead, that's a Ninja Turtles character, better. Uh, uh, the reptile, or the lizard is kind of an afterthought um, a little yeah. bit. I mean, really, it's it's all about Doc Ock and Green Goblin. And then and you have the sand guy, too. Yeah, and that's like, another like, less popular so character well. from that third movie. So, you know, like the two villains that we love, they, I mean, properly get more of the attention, and they are uh, terrific in the movie. Back again, Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe, who we'll talk yes. about Yes, yes, later. yes. So I liked all that. Yeah. Um, I liked how MJ was like, uh, I just like, I like the thoughtfulness in the dialogue and the choices, just like the small choices, like the bigger choices, uh, you could argue, but I like the small choices, like, uh, when Aunt May dies, that whole... Jeez, we're really spoiling the shit out of this movie, aren't we? (laughs) You are gonna give me that lecture! No, I mean, that's what's, what's funny to me. I think, like, that's a more important spoiler than, like, the fact that there's three Spider-Men in it, you know what I mean? That's, I think it's a better scene than... Yeah. yeah but it's I, really I, good. I like how they handled it's that. Sad. I like how his friends responded to him. It felt very real, and I felt very, like, sad. We warned people when we said we were spoiling it. It's fine. Why are you always so worried? I don't know, because you got me worried because you got mad when I accidentally said something. If you're actively listening to a podcast, you're obviously up for spoilers. If you're having a casual conversation with your husband, you're not, like, inviting yourself for spoilers. The only time that happened was, like, I was, I thought you were in the room and you were paying attention. Like, when I pulled open Amazon Prime when the movie went on digital for the first time, Mm -hmm. like, literally the whole giant screen of Amazon Prime was, like, the three Spider-Men in an advertisement. I was like... People who haven't seen this, like, are, here it is. They're just telling you right now that's what's going on. I think that's kind of lame. Like, even my Blu-ray doesn't, like, have an image of them on it. Now, there's a little, like, blurb on the front that says, like, bonus features, meeting of the Spider-Men. You're just like, oh, geez, I wonder what that's about. But, like, you know, at least there's no picture. Yeah. Like it was on Amazon Prime or whatever. But yeah. Whatever. So I liked how the new one handled uh, the the small people-to-people interactions. I like what they did with, uh, what's his name, the older guy? Iron Man's friend. Oh, John Favreau. Yeah. Happy. Yeah, he's always good in these movies, so. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, that was some funny stuff there. Yeah, always like him. I like, the, I like in general, I like all three of what they've had, and, and I like Spider-Man in the Avengers movies that he's been in, so. There were a couple scenes um, where Tobey Maguire was doing his thing, and I was like, 
God, has he not acted for a while? He hasn't. He's stiff as shit. He's, he was a little stiff. He feels sure. really stilted. He feels very unemotional. Like, does he know how to act? And then we watched the new movie, and I was like, Oh I no, he's he, he's yeah. doing he's doing two thousand two Spider Man. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, he's kind of doing. I mean, that's kind of the. And approach. I mean, I'll go on. But some yeah, more he is also that. stiff. I mean, he's also like a little bit rusty. He hasn't been appearing. He's in like, I'm acting. Whereas Andrew Garfield was like Oscar nominated this year. So yeah, and I was like in into his uh, what i love about it is that like i don't know like and especially if you hear interviews with him he genuinely seemed really happy to like get another shot at like completing his arc a little bit as spider-man and like doing andrew garfield yeah i think like it's just i think it's nice i'm I'm happy that he got to do that and it comes out comes off as so loving on screen like he genuinely cares about the character yes and i felt like his character got closure yeah definitely yeah which was very I think is a very hard thing to pull off. I think he has the best moment in the movie without getting into too many details. <laughs> yep. I thought it was really good. And I just like the new MJ character. She's, she's just great. so much better. Yeah, Zendaya's awesome in that role. Love yeah. her. Like, even, even like, uh, when she's confronting uh, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, like, hey, maybe, like, before you go, like, meet up with a wizard and, like, maybe have this world catastrophic event, like, maybe check in with us. Like, maybe we could brainstorm some ideas. But I like, they have a really open communication level. Yes. Like, they don't have a, a conflict in terms of a fight because they're no. just, like, very clear. Like, well, this is what you should do. And, like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. He's like, like yeah, good call. And I was like, wow, what would have been in the 90s a petty, stupid fight that would have been 20 minutes in the movie? Well, I mean, we, we didn't watch over. all the Spider-Man movies, but, I mean, one of the main things of all of the Tobey Maguire run is that, like, he and MJ butt heads so much. And some of it works okay, but some of it is just, like, okay, like, maybe you could just, like... S- say how you're feeling it would probably solve yeah, a lot of this just have a fucking conversation <laughs> yeah and i don't know if that's just like a generational difference of gen z being like oh no we'll just talk about the well, thing we'll, yeah we'll talk about this in a little bit but i think that uh, also like the way to do spider-man now is you have to remember what has happened in movies before and how people like um latch on to that mm-hmm. like i think there's a there's a really good reason why like the tom holland spider-man don't have an origin story because of what we see in the 2002 Spider-Man, like we just don't need. Does he not have an origin version. story? Not in the I MCU. I can't remember he is, now. When he first appears, he is just already had. He has his powers already. Oh, Iron he does. Man approaches him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Do we ever get like flashbacks? Nope. Nope. People just know the Peter Parker story. It's fine. It's like Bruce Wayne. We all yeah. know what happened. <laughs> I think that's why, like, I had so much hesitation to wanting to watch the Andrew Garfield ones because I'm like, oh, do I have to fucking part, yeah. do this again? Yeah, they rethread it. That's yeah. the problem with that. So. Yeah. So we watched Spider-Man No Way Home. I enjoyed it. Good. All right. Yeah. Well, another thing we watched, but it's been a while that we kind of forgot to talk about last episode was Turning Red, mm-hmm. uh, the new Pixar movie that was on Disney+. Plus. Um, sounds like the last they're going back to theaters with the Lightyear movie, but... Um, I don't know. I like having these movies just sent to me. Thank you very much, Disney. Um, Turning Red is really good. It got a lot of odd press. <laughs> it got but praise. Like, did it? It was weird. Like you've seen, I, you can kind of see the side conversation online with people who didn't watch it. When it's yeah. just like, oh, it's the period movie, which is annoying because it's not. Um, and you know, other things like that. And then there was just like discussion of like. I don't know. It's a weird culture clash situation that was going on with that. It might have something to do with, like, the very fact that Disney got entangled with some political issues down in Florida. Maybe that this was all related, why it got kind of caught in the crossfire. I don't know. What I do know is that I think the movie is 
really good, um, as per usual with Pixar, but I think I really appreciate having this um, female, like, perspective. She's like a Chinese-Canadian director, and she's telling clearly a story with at least roots in her own childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the specificity of that, but I also like how, you know, this girl is kind of going through changes in terms of like being excited about music and a boy band in the early two. It's time it's set in the early two thousands, and um, I don't know. I think it's very relatable, while also being specific, which I think is is really fun to see out of Pixar. And I, I like the animation style. It's a little bit different. It was all just it was like a really nice surprise. I really like um, what they've done in the last couple movies, Luca which is a very scaled down story and this. I mean, even I probably like both of these movies more than I liked Soul because I think Soul is re- while Soul is reaching for like a more universal like we all can understand the ideas of Soul and it's going for like a more generalized uh, perspective, I think. And uh, the best parts of Soul is when it kind of hones in on the musician and like the specific life he's living. These two movies have been more about time and place and person and I like that. It's just like it's a nice little fresh uh, spin for Pixar, which is probably going to go back to not doing that for the Buzz Lightyear movie, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. I like Turning Light. What did you think? I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was both broad and specific enough to not just be like watered down, washed out. Yeah. Um, I thought that any parent who has a preteen or emerging preteen or teenager could mm-hmm. definitely relate to the story, both as a person who's gone through, you know, growing up and clashing with your parents and trying to figure out your own identity but also relating like as a parent and like wanting to stay in control but like not not overbearing so you're like trying to balance the whole thing so i thought it was relatable from a lot of different perspectives as you were talking though i was thinking this is why it's important to have female directors and female creators mm-hmm. this in is the first Pixar movies I mean- the first that they've had um solo director there was a woman on brave but she got canned from her own movie so yeah um, and i was thinking other than brave have there been and this is a question for you because you have a better movie memory Mm -hmm. have there been other pixar movies that are like the coming of age story where the main character is really fighting to both simultaneously seek that approval from the parents as like the good overachieving child and become their own person well i mean inside out is about is a coming of age story but that it begin it again because that focuses on like these general emotions like they we meet the character of anger and joy it's not as specific right but mm-hmm. i mean i think what you're talking about is and i've read a couple of good pieces i wish i knew the authors but i could steer people the right way but like how turning red is kind of also about like generational trauma a little bit in terms of and trauma you know again any discussion these days, people have now have the problem with the word trauma because they think it means something that's like severe or like deadly. But uh, trauma in the in regards to just like you know negative influences on your life that are not controlled by you that get passed on, right? And, that have been done to you that you then do to your kids. <laughs> yeah, and that and that is a kind of the way turning red is like the mother character. Like if there's one way that that perf- that character could be in a movie, and I think it's the standard way, which is that she's overbearing with maybe some sympathy whereas i think the way that she's presented number one it's like sandra oh was a great vocal performance right mm-hmm. but um like she's definitely is more nuanced and you get to see her perspective built on the life that she was living with her mom and and so forth and so i don't know i just like that um that distinction that that approach 
Yeah, I think this is the first time that an entire generation of parents has been talking about, like, not only do we want to do things different, because every generation wants to do things different than the parents before them, but, like, we want to do it in, like, a healthy way, and we're, like, recognizing how these habits and these ways of parenting and treating each other are handed down, that it's built on shame and control and and guilt and manipulation, and it makes everybody feel like shit across the board. Yeah, and I think what you just said is maybe one of the, like, peripheral reasons why stupid conversations come up about turning red in terms of like it's a movie about your period or i don't want my kid to see life changes or that kid like one of the arguments was like oh that that kid is like disobeying her mom i think it has a lot to do with people's perception of what parenting or what you should be doing with your own kids and yeah i think what you touched on is really interesting of why it's kind of touched a nerve in in maybe some people yeah that reaction in itself is why this movie exists it's that like need to like hold on and control and like God, yeah. my kid needs to obey me and that's a sign of respect and if they don't do what I say when I say it then they deserve to be punished it's I think like, it's okay to uh, tell people that everybody can be wrong about some things or you can make mistakes and still be a good parent like the character is never a bad mom which I think is really important um, she loses her temper she yeah. says things she regrets but she's not a bad mom and even the main even our main character would never say that about her no yeah she like she loves her really, mom and wants to mom. like her yeah. mom to be proud of her and she wants to make her yeah. family proud while also like being true to herself and not rejecting herself which yeah is anyway. a conflict we all have of like how much do we do what we're supposed to versus what feels right for us it's really good there's um, a lot to discuss and that movie is packed with so much rich stuff we've we've only watched it once like three four weeks ago and it's uh, hung in my brain so that's a good sign yeah it's a good one yeah for sure cool okay um the only other thing i would mention is that i watched death on the nile um this is a the sequel to murder on the orient express the kenneth branagh directed series the agatha christie novels um he stars in the movie as like the famed detective right and i uh had rewatched murder on the orient express before i watched this new one I think that it is, like, not a great movie, but I enjoy Murder on the Orient Express because it's, like, the star-studded little whodunit on a train, and it's a classic story. Um, Death on the Nile is definitely a step down. Um, For one, the cast is full of, like, all these people who have had, like, negative press lately, including, like, Army Hammer, and uh, Russell Brand is in there, although he's barely, like, I don't even... I forgot he was in the movie because I didn't even really recognize him, and he doesn't have that big a part. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hiding under some glasses. It's really easy to do, you know. Um, yeah, it takes a good hour for, like, the murder to happen. And so there's a lot going on on a boat with a CGI backdrop Ew. that's not great. Ew. And it just takes way too long to get going. I thought it was fine once it got going. But, like, it's a two-hour movie, and an hour of it, it's not the mystery. You don't have Branagh doing kind of the cheesy, like, detective stuff. So, I don't know. I thought it was disappointing. Anyway. Not much to say about it. It's on, like, HBO and Hulu. Not worth watching. No, it's fine. I would be fine with him making another one, though. Give it another try, Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> I, like the, I, like, I like these movies in concept. Like, bring a cast together. Do a whodunit. Mm-hmm. I like it. Just, nah, this guy be better than this one. Okay. This one was uh, underwhelming. All right. That's not bad, but, you know, whatever. All right. That's all we've been watching? Yeah. For yeah. now? For now. Okay. For now. More for another episode. Okay. Sounds good. So uh, go back and watch uh, 
<laughs> Spider-Man, <laughs> No Way Home, yeah. Everybody, that saw everybody it. already saw. Turning it. Red's been out for a month, and then Death on the Nile. Who cares? Did you buy the disc of Spider-Man, or did we stream? No it? Way Home. I've got. I wait. That's what we, the whole point of us waiting. It's been available digitally for a month, but you're like, ah, just wait for the Blu-ray. So I waited for the Blu-ray. Well, I don't want to pay twice. I wouldn't pay twice. We just own. You would own like the digital copy. But you that, know how we feel That's not about a that. real thing. Though. I don't. I agree. I that's just like a thing in the cloud that like doesn't it. exist. I'll it's take not my real. disc. Thank you very much. I'll take that packaging. Way to kill the earth. That's not real. Anyway. Okay. The cloud is bad for the earth too. So I'm not gonna like get into that moral debate. <laughs> <laughs> it takes power to run that shit. Yeah, it's not an actual cloud. It's just a big giant room of computers. Yeah, running a lot of power. Yeah, that's good. Take use my that plastic power. Gotta use that electricity. Yeah, anyway. Okay, so today we're going to bounce off of our Spider-Man No Way Home and go back to 2002 and talk about Spider-Man 2002, Tobey Maguire. Should we do some high stats or uh, what do you want to jump into? Uh, yeah, let's do some high stats and we'll go back into what I remember and why we decided to watch it and all that. Sure. Give me some high stats. I know it's going to be... Big box office numbers is what you're going to share with me. Yes. So uh, Spider-Man was released in April, April 29th, 2002. Mm -hmm. Although it says, uh, why? oh yeah, sometimes there's multiple release dates. Well, yeah, it might have come out a week early. Like I remember it being like May 3rd or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it says May 3rd, but it says Man Village Theater for April 29th. Oh, that's the, that's the, like, the world premiere. Okay. Yeah. It's trying to do it. In okay. LA. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It uh, clocks in at 121 minutes. Good length. It could be a little shorter. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, it could be a little shoulder, sh shorter. I don't think so. Its budget seems small. Small? No. Very big. What's oh. the budget? Probably like $150 million. $139 million? Yeah. But then it only made $825 million. Only. That's it. Pretty small potatoes. Yeah, hardly anything. Uh, directed by Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Rated know. PG-13, directed yep. by Sam Raimi, written by people. David Coep, right? Who is a David screenwriter Coep. on a mm -hmm. number of things, who, including Jurassic Park, and he's also written some other movies that aren't as good. Steve Ditko? Uh, like from the Ditko show? I don't know. It just says writer Stanley, <laughs> yeah. obviously, for the comic book. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's another that's another comic writer. Yeah, Steve Ditko. That's another comic. Oh, he gets credit, too? Yeah. Stars Toby Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, Willem Dafoe, all the uh, mm -hmm, other people. That Franco guy. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rosemary Harris as Aunt May. Uh, Cliff Robertson as Uncle Ben. J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Yep. Uh, and some random appearances by some oh, well-known little people. Joe Mang Mangini, uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Werewolf Man himself. I did not recognize Flash him. Flash Thompson. And I, I love him. I was like wondering, I kind of was like, that guy looks familiar, but I did not place him until I looked up. Like, oh, yeah, I guess it is him. Yeah, like, 2002 was severe for him. Like, that was a severe look he's like he was He's like got frosted rocking. tips and stuff, right? Like, oh, it's God, a look it's so bad. For. Yeah. Like, not cute at all. Well, plus he's meant to look like a clown, right? Because he gets, you know, like he's, he gets, an he's a bully and then he gets beat up. So, you know. That's true. And then, like, yeah, he doesn't get to do much else after. Whereas, like, Flash Thompson has, like, he's been in all three of the new Spider-Man movies. Yes. So. Yeah. As a totally different. That's another thing I like about the new Spider-Man movies, of how they kind of, like, reper like decided to change the the way that Flash Thompson is a bully. So, mm -hmm. anyway, I like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the high stats. Great. Yeah, Sam Raimi coming in. I mean, obviously well-known for his, like, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness work. Um, kind of a perfect, you know, I think he's a he was a great choice to kind of launch this thing. He's got definitely got a comic mentality. He's 
very much, and he's, you know, I remember reading interviews and especially throughout his entire run of three movies that he was very big on like classic Spider-Man comics of the 60s. And so he was very much OG villains. He did not want Venom in his third movie and he had to be convinced to put him in and things like that. So I think that speaks to a lot of the tone of the movie. Um, he definitely is going for like a comic-y, pulpy kind of deal. And so in that regard, I think he's perfect for it. Um, the horror element of it is interesting because um, our kids discovered that, you know, Sam Raimi will flash you a little jump scare every now and again. Yeah, for fun. I, didn't, I didn't remember that as much. <laughs> and one of those jump scares, three of the kids were sitting on the couch with us and they all jumped big time. Yeah. So like, the, I mean, basically this became a thing where um, <laughs> the Spider-Man No Way Home Blu-ray came in. The kids saw it and like, that's the Spider-Man. Is that the new Spider-Man movie people have been, you know, talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should watch that. And I was like, yeah, we could. And like, it's not like, I don't know. I think it would be fine for them to watch in terms of content, but it's like homework to, for them to understand what's going on. No, because not only much. do you have Marvel stuff they've not seen, they've only seen like, like most, I think they watch Captain Marvel and maybe another one. They don't know all that. That's already like an undertone, and then you're adding on like other Spider-Man iterations. We're like, ah, okay, let's just start with uh, the first mm-hmm. Spider-Man movie, 2002, and see where we go from there. And that's how that ended up happening. And we watched Spider-Man. So, do you remember when you first saw this movie? We, I wrote down what you remember. Did you write down what you remember? Uh, the segment of this podcast where we say what we remember before we watch the. Movie? You know, I th- I think I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I did. Okay. Um. I think I did. I think I wrote some stuff down. Maybe you can look while I say what I That'd be good. I should have had that pulled up. Go for it. Mm -hmm. So I said the origin story with high school Tobey Maguire hanging out with MJ Dunst and, oh, James Franco. But you have wild Willem Dafoe and his dumb helmet, which kind of drags the performance, but oh well. Solid direction, a killer Danny Elfman score. Well, that's true. And good performances all around. But I've always wanted... Every time I want to watch Spider-Man, I usually just jump to number two for Doc Ock, which is true. I can't find my notes. Oh, cool! Because if I don't write them in the in the in the right spot, you uh-huh. know, then they're gone. So, um, but here's what I think I wrote. I think I wrote uh, Toby Maguire, a uh, spider bite uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Must be said. The upside down uh, Spider-Man kiss. Iconic. The terrible Green Goblin <laughs> performance. Performance. Yeah, because that was my memory. Like I. Or character, you know, like Green Goblin, like, ah, my memory is just like, uh, I know. Just be careful. This is a memory I'm talking about. You can't judge my memories. That's fucking me. All right. Okay. So I wrote that down and then I was like, terrible. What's his name? Franco. Yeah. That's who I was thinking of. And like, this is like, okay, regardless of like personal life, Franco stuff that you may or may not know Mm -hmm. about, like his quality of acting was uh, much better after he did this. he's not good in these Spider-Man movies he's no very he wooden, was so very bad stiff. like th- yeah. my opinion of him as an actor yeah, was, was this. this and so I was like oh so then he had to win me over as an actor he, later in later years he had to kind of re- he had he became a comedy star and that's how he kind of blew up really because this is his career with mostly stuff like this I mean, yep, so, Freaks and Geeks, yeah but. so I just re- you know I remembered all the the check marks. Do you remember when you first saw it? I don't because, it, you know, this was senior year of high school. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was fucking around quite a bit then. So Cocaine? I don't. Yeah. Lots and lots of that. No. Okay. That's not true. Um, um But I don't know because it, I, did I watch it first with you? Did I watch it? I feel like I watched it that summer. You must have because I remember when we both met later on 
and we were like rifling through each other's CDs, we both had a copy of the Spider-Man soundtrack. I had a copy of the soundtrack? Everybody had a copy of the Spider-Man soundtrack. I did have a lot of CDs that I, you know, had from like boyfriends though. So did I get it from there? I don't want to hear about some boyfriend. Oh, awkward. It's <laughs> so awkward. Teenage boyfriends. Well, regardless of where it came from, we both had a copy of the soundtrack and you at least seen the movie. Um, cause this was a big deal. Like it was culturally, it was like, how long was it in theaters? That's a question. Well, it played a long time. Like did it play into summer? Oh yeah. Oh, I probably shot that summer. Absolutely. Yeah. It played with somebody at some point. Oh yeah. It played like crazy. It was a massive hit. I remember yeah. seeing it you know, we were still going to school. It was like, you know, senioritis, you know, like crazy. You're going to only have a month yeah. of school. I remember seeing it being, you know, in love with movies. This is kind of after, you know, X-Men and X-Men 2. Or I think, is X-Men, can you look up when X-Men 2, X2 came out? Is that 2002 as well or is that 2001? I would love to know. 2003. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. May 2nd, 2003. Yeah. So X-Men, the first X-Men had come out, right? And so that was kind of like... Because the only thing that was really like hit hit wise box office wise for like superhero movies was Batman, but then that flamed out with Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. and then X Men hit, and then everybody started making. And this was kind of one of the first ones out yeah. of the gate in terms of like whether they could pull off a, a big time superhero movie, right? I had not had much um, when I was growing up. I read a lot of X Men comics, not a lot of Spider Man comics, but I love the cartoon series. But I also liked the X Men com- the cartoon series a little bit better, so. I wasn't as excited as some of my friends, but I went first weekend and I thought it was just fine. <laughs> like I didn't love it mm-hmm. when I first saw it, and I don't think I necessarily watched it again in theaters until I don't think I saw it in theaters again. I think I just got the DVD at some point um, after that and watched. I it. love that you just got DVDs of movies that you thought were just fine. Well, Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember not loving this movie. I remember not loving uh, Mary Jane's character, the mm-hmm. Green Goblin, Franco. I didn't love, like, it felt like it was really slow to get started. And then there was, like, I do remember distinctively having conversations with people about, like, yeah, I wish he would have, like, there we would have seen more sweatpants Spider-Man. Oh, really? That's, like, opposite for me. I did not want sp- sweatpants Spider-Man at all. I mean, I know it looked terrible, but I was, like, I want to, like, how did he get make this magically good-looking suit like that feels not realistic so if you're gonna do the sweatman spider-man that one doesn't look very good in cgi is the problem yeah so i was like i want more of this like that of like awkwardness this was a big movie so i remember getting i remember because i was writing reviews at this point published reviews and i remember getting some feedback from people that i knew from my like mixed reaction to spider-man one right um because people loved it because people love Spider-Man and a lot of my friends thought it was amazing and I thought it was just fine and my issues were mostly like um, this was the first kind of one of these movies that had you know obviously CGI has been around for a few years at this point it's kind of one of these first movies where there's like a full on animated person yeah and he's swinging around and for the most part I think it looks pretty good when it's in the dark right well it's weird because some scenes look okay yeah and then some scenes look really bad and I think that the the sweatpants Spider-Man is kind of the worst of all it does look really bad I just wanted to see him like doing spider like not flying through the air in sweatpants but but like punching some people what I what I like about the movie in general is that Sam Raimi's approach for a lot of it is like stunt and like wire work Mm -hmm. and the way that he introduces the powers with Tobey Maguire without his suit on Mm -hmm. I think is all really fantastic yeah um and I think a lot of the CGI later kind of works okay like it's 20 years old and that's all right you know I think it, it still holds up but some of it 
at the time I thought like I don't know if we should be animating people you know what I mean I just like eh. it looks like a cartoon and then I I had a big problem with um there's a big tonal I it's not a big tonal shift I would say and I I kind of agree still it's like once the hour mark comes around and Green Goblin is in like his full garb mm-hmm. the movie feels a little bit different like we have a pretty cohesive and tight origin story that kind of turns into like a sprawling pulpy little adventure mm-hmm. and it just is like it's almost like whiplash like it's just all of a sudden there's like montage of him swimming around this is when we're introducing J. Jonah Jameson like there's a whole world of Spider-Man just kind of comes crashing in on us right after Uncle Ben dies and all, you know after all that stuff happens yeah. right and so I always had an issue I just struggled with that transition and I I felt that Green Goblin was pretty cheesy um I think a lot of that is intentional. Um, you know, I think the line that I always remember uh, in the movie oh. is like, you're out, Gobby, out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. I think... And that's a very Spider-Man goofball nerd thing yes. to say. But like when you're 18 yeah. and you're just like, well, I don't know, I don't like corny movies. This isn't cool. Right. I definitely don't didn't appreciate it then. Yeah. Yeah. I just but thought see, it was a miss for me. Like, oh, that's a miss. The, like, the more you know about, you know, the more you, you get into Spider-Man and, and especially where Sam Raimi's coming from is that, like, that is Spider-Man. He makes quips and some of them don't land and some of them are bad jokes and that's kind of the thing about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that that works better in hindsight. But at the time, I was just like, I don't know. Um, so what were your thoughts kind of watching it this time? Um, um, I... I... I loved Willem Dafoe. So that was the person that you, in your memory, thought he gave a bad performance. So yeah. what was it that was, was uh, the, the change? Uh, he, he he ramps it up so fucking much. And playing yeah. this, like, Jekyll, Mr. Jekyll, Dr. Hyde thing. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. You know what I mean. Yep. The thing, the, the split personality. Yep. Uh, incredible, because he's such a cool character actor. And, he, God, he's just ridiculous. And the faces he makes. Yeah. And then, like, the, the scene where he's talking to himself in the mirror. Like, I appreciate that so much more now. Best scene in the movie. Oh, Oh, when he's just going yeah. back and forth and it's so they edited it so well that it's yeah. just really smooth and like I maybe like didn't even like uh, I I don't think I appreciate it at all. Willem Dafoe's awesome and yeah. like how he leans into just the psychotic characterness. Ooh. And it helps that you it. you just watched like No Way Home where he basically gets to do it again and you can yes. see that he's just having a freaking ball doing it, oh. right? Yeah. And he's having to play, he kind of plays it a little bit different in terms of one side, but the yeah. other side is like back to where you want it to be. Love it. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, did not like Tobey Maguire's performance. Oh, Still hated James Franco's performance. Okay, so let's get into this because you had mentioned that you're not a fan of Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker. So I want to hear where this is coming from. Uh, I'm just like, where? Okay, I don't know if it's the choice, his acting capability, the writing or the directing. I don't know who's responsible, but I didn't like just how like stilted he was. And there is a turning point where he gets a little bit like more like present, but he's just so fucking like not interesting as a character. He's just like one. I feel like for the first 45 minutes, he says like seven words. Well, he's unassuming. He's, it's too he's much. He's hiding though. in the background. It's he's too meek. much though. Okay. And I think that like I, it, it's just too much. I'm like, why can't he talk? Why is he just, I don't, I just, ah, he's just a cardboard box. No emotions, no expressions. I feel like it is very much like Tobey Maguire plays a pretty similar type of character in most everything he's in. Um, I think that 
it works for who Peter Parker is. Mm, I disagree. I think that he's really good in the sequel, so maybe that is where I'm getting my my idea colored a little bit, but I just kind of feel like that he is doing the awkward teen well enough, and he's doing it in a way that, I don't know, he looks too old to me. He always has. Yes, he looks like he's <laughs> um, 30 years and old. And so does Kirsten Dunst, frankly, but... Um, yep. You know, like at the t- in the two thousands, that's very common. I mean, this is kind of a newer thing where we actually let people that look young play uh, young people. Yes, um, but Tobey Maguire is pretty old. Like Kirsten Dunst may have been not terribly old, but I feel like Tobey Maguire was pretty like much older when he decided to do this. And it works fine better in in the sequel because he's in college at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like I I think that he's making choices and like the movie is wanting to p- frame Peter Parker in a certain way that. It works, and I also really like his, uh, after he gets bit, and he goes through the transformation, and he goes through, and he has to, like, kind of practice swinging on the rooftop or clawing up the walls, I really like his uh, his kind of quiet, like, silent performance in, the, in those scenes. He, I like his goofball, like, here's a nerdy kid who's just discovering something crazy. Like, I think this that works really well in you this do? movie. You do? I do, and I really like him in that role. I think he's, he's, he's the reason it's successful, I think. Ah. It's kind of the right. It's the right little uh, performance for what's going on on screen. Like it's a pulpy comic book movie. He's kind of like this Oshucks kid, and he's like things. But are he's happening not really Oshucks. He's like nothing. He's a shell of a person. He is, and then I, I actually like his um, snottiness uh, to Uncle Ben before that fateful thing. Okay, happens. so there's one scene where he's like actually doing something. I think that I, I think that part of the issue. With and this has just become more of an outdated thing where you have it, this is kind of in every Spider-Man movie though. It's just like the a ba- the whole basis of a character's shyness is based on I like this girl and I'm gonna stare at them a little bit, and that is a really common thing that we see in all kinds of movies. And so maybe I'm guessing that might not be something that is now that you've seen in so many things. It's just like okay, I've had enough of seeing that. I think that that there's a because there's a lot of that in the early going of this. Yeah, I just, he's not interesting. Staring at I just don't care about him as a human being. Okay, I mean, I would, I would, I can see where you're coming from, but I, though I disagree. And um, why does he have this shitbag friend in Franco? Like, how did they become friends? I don't know. Rich kid, like, it it just makes no fucking sense. Is it because, you think the rich kid would have, like, cool friends? Like, I don't understand what's happening there. I think you're speaking about an issue that's more Franco's issue, though, because he's just not convincing in any capacity. Yeah, but who, who, who is Tobey Maguire in this movie? Who's he friends with? Nobody. Well, nobody. He's a Except new kid James Franco? Well, he's kind of an outsider, too, and so I think that that's the idea, is that he bonds with him because they're not really part of the group. So they just became friends, so he has no friends. That's my point. He's so socially... Well, yeah, It's too much. That's that's a choice that's that's too much. Okay. Because he's not likable. I'm just like, well, there's a reason you don't have any friends. <laughs> You're just staring he's at people. He's the weird kid with the photo- the camera taking pictures of everybody. What do you expect? And just like, oh, <laughs> uh, just like the, the way the 90s and, and 2000s handled high school bullies. Fuck my life. Like, oh, it's so bad. I think it's better in the new movies. It's like, sure. whack him in the head. And, oh, well, no. it's like 60s. It's like an Archie comic a little bit. I mean, it's meant to be kind of like over... Overdone, yeah. comic-y. It's a very comic perspective on like high school, right? Like that's the idea. It's doing like, it's doing like the '60s origin story of Spider-Man. I think that's okay. I think that works. I think, that's but what it does works look more like, than the rest of the movie. you know, uh, our segment. Uh, what would Roger say? Looks like back in 2002, Roger and I pretty much had the same opinion. Who's Roger? 
Roger Ebert. Oh, okay. And you used to open the cat. You opened the segment without saying Roger Ebert. So. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're like, like who's doing... Roger? You know, everyone knows who fucking Roger Ebert is. Okay. Tyler Wilson. He liked the movie. I'm gonna guess. No, he did not really like it. He gave really? It, well, he gives it two and a half stars. Oh, but he famously gave Spider-Man two four stars. Which he is, did. Uh, yeah, he loves Spider-Man. See, two, so, so I do think I. I think your memory of no, no. Tobey Maguire is so. Well, maybe I think he's it, imp- encouraged by Spider-Man two. That well, Spider-Man. Let's put the. Let's just put this out there now. Obviously, Spider-Man Two is the superior movie, but like one of the re- like a big part of why it works is that a lot of the work that needs to get done is done in this movie, and that I mean that's a credit to this movie. You have to give the movie credit for establishing this world. So, what did Roger say? Well, he liked most of it. He thinks Tobey Maguire did a pretty good job. He uh, at the end just says, you know, I have one question about the Peter Parker character. Does the movie go too far with his extreme social paralysis? Interesting. Peter tells Mary Jane he just wants to be friends. Only a friend, she repeats. That's all I have to give, he says. How so? Impotent? Spidey sense has skewed his sexual (laughs) instincts? Afraid his hands will get stuck? Oh, he's off base on that. He is off base on that. But I I like that scene. We'll get to that. I do think I I think it went too far. Like Mm. it's so easy to be like make an extreme caricature of a character. Mm -hmm. And that's what he is in this movie. He's a caricature, not a character. Okay. Boom. Okay. That's my take. And so watching him in this new Spider-Man movie, I was like, God, he's real stiff. And I was like, nope, that's the Spider-Man we know. He's playing the Spider-Man that he's playing. Um, I like I like him in the new movie. He's he's definitely playing a like older version of the guy he played before. I he's think like that a works. slow thinker. Yeah, I think that works. And I maybe know. the slow thinkerness sort of just irritates me where I'm like, spit it fucking out. Like, say something. Like, do something. I like, wonder if you're going to respond negatively now to Spider-Man 2 because he's getting put through the ringer in that movie like crazy. What do you mean? Well, he's just socially, he just is getting pummeled throughout the mm. entire movie. What but, do you mean? Well, everything goes wrong for Peter Parker in the second movie. Like, it's just horrible. Okay. <laughs> you know, How every- so? Well, I don't know. I'm just, you I, mean, know. I don't even remember. Like, I remember watching that and you loving Doc Ock and you just going on and on and on and on and on about Doc great. Ock for years and years Plus and years. Plus, the movie's great. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't remember much more other than that. <laughs> Doc Ock! <laughs> You're like, Doc Ock's the best. Okay. So, let's turn a little bit then. Okay. What about Mary Jane? What about Kirsten Dunst? I. I, I have a memory of not liking her performance back in the day. Uh-huh. I thought it was fine rewatching it. I think she's good. I think there's this thing going on right now of the power of the dog, her Oscar nomination is helping this. Is yeah. that we have all collectively slept on Kirsten's Dunst a little bit. I think she's very good in most things and she's very good here. Well, unfortunately, she came through her prime through a, a terrible time to be a female actress where it's like, well, we're going to give you these very tr- contrite characters that are nothing. The le- you don't yeah. have a lot to go on. The legacy of her character, unfortunately, I think it's a little bit colored by the third movie where everybody's characters are just a little bit off and doesn't quite gel as very, very well. And so I think most people's issues with Kirsten Dunst's Mary Jane are probably more from that third movie. Um, I can't even remember. I that. like this part. I like her in this movie. I think that I, I kind of like how she's, um, you know, like Peter Parker's obsessed with her. You know, he's obsessed with her beauty, blah, blah, blah. But she's very good about masking. You know, she's she's nice to him, but she's she's always putting on like a, a show for someone, whether it's Flash when she's dating him and all that stuff. And like, her immediate reaction to say is like, "Oh, I just came back from an audition," and then like he ca- like her boss at the diner catches her, or yells at her, and so Peter Parker hears that she's like just working at a diner. I kind of like how she like tries and then it like gets deflated, and then like their relationship is based on like she learns pretty quickly that like she can just be honest with this guy, 
and they have an understanding because they've gone through similar struggles. And I think she's really good, and I think Peter Parker's good in that stuff, too. Um, yes, because he emotes nothing. There's no judgment there, either. So I think that, that lack of emotion from him provides a sense of safety because it's not like he's like oh my god that's embarrassing for you he's just very like i'm just looking at you and i'm relying on you to transition us out of this situation where you've just been outed as a liar i don't love the fact that she like declares feelings for spider-man because it feels a little bit like um chase meridian in uh batman forever but I do like how it kind of quickly gets deflated. It's basically only there to get this kiss set up in the rain, the upside mm-hmm. down kiss. And listen, it's great. Like, it's a great, memorable scene. It's just a, I like that, that we have that. And this is like a moment that we'll remember in like, I don't know. If you're going to tell me like memory, like what's a defining memory of all Spider-Man movies in terms of imagery. I put it in what I remember. It's the upside down Everybody Spider-Man remembers kiss. it. Like it's, it's so, I mean, it, it, it. In the rain too. It's worth its existence because of the icon, you know, because of the image, image it created. Right. At the same time, I'm very happy that she quickly turns to like, I think I have feelings for Peter Parker and not so much Spider-Man. And I like that her character is not, that obsession doesn't go farther than it needs to. Because I think it, it also stems because the fact she's like dating Franco's character and it's like, okay, she makes yeah. bad decisions all the time. Clearly, she just needs to like grow up and learn that she likes better dudes than these guys. Yep. I think her performance in the scene where Willem Dafoe is talking shit about her in the hallway yeah. to Franco and she hears it and May and Toby Maguire are watching her. I think her performance there is stellar. She's good. And I like... Um, uh, um, what was I going to say about one more thing about Kirsten Dunst I it's maybe it's gone I like her I think she's good I, I, I liked her a lot more now and I think that she is a, a strong element of the of the movie um, going forward so I, I, I just like Kirsten Dunst I think she's good she might be the best other than Willem Dafoe kind of the best performance in the movie so and she's not totally helpless I think uh, even when she gets attacked in the alley she kind of throws a few punches. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, she's in danger three different times in this movie, which is a little But, I mean, bit... she is dating the villain's son, so, I mean... Oh, that was what I was going to say. Like, it's... A, okay, the only thing is... And this is always a problem I have. It's just, like... Especially the rain. Like, <laughs> you just... you She had just talked to Peter Parker, like, two minutes prior, seemingly, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, Peter Parker doesn't really mask his voice in that scene. Like, he kind of does it a little bit later, and like, or even the things he says. So he's saying the same words. Like I don't to know. Her. Like figure it out. Like you've been kidnapped by him. Like like you're 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 you you liking Spider Man is probably not enough for you to, like to justify like the the crazy villain terrorizing the city, kidnapping you specifically. Like maybe maybe you think maybe you maybe someone in your life is Spider Man. Yeah. I'm just saying. Like maybe put two and two together. Is it Harry Osborn? Yeah. And Peter Parker had <laughs> just said, "Oh, I was just in the neighborhood." And then five minutes later, Spider Man says, "I was just in the neighborhood." Come on. Says the same fucking line because the character is not super bright well, in the social like yeah. speaking of words. But uh, so I mean, she should have figured it out. Yeah. Like she should have figured it out. I, I I like it better when Mary Jane knows that he's Spider Man. Anyway, yeah, it's more interesting. I think the the later. new movies get that well it, right. It will happen for it will happen for Kirsten Dunst as well in future installments. So yes, so that's how I feel about Mary Jane. All right. Okay, so like, um, it takes about an hour for J. Jonah Jameson to show up. Um, J.K. Simmons and I, I, I clocked it. It's like sixty seconds his first scene, right? Mm-hmm. I've never. It's it, it's pretty rare to see someone just like completely capture a character 
in a really delightful way in such a short period of time. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know how he can pull off such a character in yeah. such a non not obnoxious way. Like how does he do it? Like he's so loud, he's so aggressive. He's 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 a character. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it, he looks, you know, it, the look is there obviously, but I mean, just the vocal choice, like all of it just works really well. Um and he doesn't need much, right? He just he, he kind of um pops up and it, it in a couple moments and 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 he's out of the movie and it's uh, really enjoyable to have him there. I caught this time that like I think it's either a second or third scene where the goblin comes after him, mm-hmm. and he's terrible to Peter Parker, and he hates Spider-Man, but he doesn't actually rat. He has an opportunity to like rat out Peter oh, Parker. Oh yeah, because the green the green goblin's like, "Who's the photographer? Yeah. Who photographs Spider-Man?" And J.J. Simmons is just like, "I don't know." He drops off the photos. He he has an opportunity to out him literally yeah, right he's there. He's right there. He's standing right there, right? And he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know. From your journalist uh, experience, well, yeah, usually people, yeah, usually, usually photographers want credit for their photos, but I guess in this world, Peter Parker doesn't want the credit. Yeah, you do think, you, yeah, which just makes sense. I mean, you'd be suspicious, and the cops would probably be coming after you as well because he's a vigilante, you know. So yeah, I like how he doesn't out him. Yeah, so he's great. I mean, it, it's no secret that he obviously came back and is in the world of the new spider-man movies um he doesn't get a lot to do but that's okay like it it's fun but Mm -hmm. he was like a blogger alex jones type now which Mm -hmm. is fun but um yeah but like the rest of the um that's kind of a lead and i i think uh aunt may and uncle ben are very good here um what's funny is how how my memory can be so wrong okay like if if you had asked me Mm -hmm. i would have said oh the scene where he says the with great power comes great responsibility is his death scene. Nope. He says it when he's lying on the sidewalk. It's one of the last things he says. No, that's not fucking right. That's that's not true. Why does my brain want to remember it like that? What the fuck? Yeah, well, it's because that's, you know, like, they, those moments are tied together intrinsically in our in our head story-wise. It so. really is. I, I appreciate the time when he says it. And I like how, again, I like how Peter Parker's snotty toward him in that moment um, and misses the, you know, misses the point in that moment. Yes. And then this is what I'll say about Rosemary Harris. I really like her. Uh, and, I, you know, I like how the new movie is like spin this whole thing on its head by making it Marissa Tomei, who's, you know, playing it much younger and all mm-hmm. that, which is, I think, smart. But um, for this Aunt May, I really like her. Like, sometimes she gets some of like the, the schmaltiest dialogue, but mm-hmm. like. The turning point, why he turns into Spider-Man, is not Uncle Ben's death and, like, what happens afterwards. It's actually the scene where she comes up to his bedroom and they're talking about how much they miss Uncle Ben. And um, I just thought it was really simple. It was just, like, you loved him and he loved you and he never doubted the man you turn into. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that was enough. Like, it's a good little quiet moment that I think works really well. And it is enough to, like, kind of get the movie going into the into the second half and turn him into Spider-Man for real. I wanted to like that scene. You didn't like it? I thought Aunt May was doing a real good job okay. acting. Um, I thought Tobey Maguire was like, oh, it's just like the thing I said to him before he died. I don't. I did not buy him, but I did buy her. So I was like, this is a good scene where like she's helping him work through this guilt of like, I think that all of us fear that the, the last thing we'll say to someone is something shitty. So I think that yeah. she did a really good job helping that character. Can I, I have that. a question for you. Yeah. Is Peter Parker, is, sorry, is Tobey Maguire and Rachel Zegler like hanging out in like a <laughs> compound together just being like, according to you, bad acting? <laughs> You know what? Yeah. 
I think that like sometimes. And Meryl Streep, by the way. <laughs> no, Meryl. I've never said Meryl Streep's a bad actor. Okay. She's just like, oh, I'm so humble. <laughs> She's just like humble bragging all the time. It's just an opportunity for me to have you do your oh. Oh, humble. I'm Meryl Streep, and I yeah. oh oh not me. I'm too oh no. A couple other notable appearances here. Um, Octavia Spencer is and a bit. She pops up in a lot of little bit parts during this period. Um, she she's does. like the ticket taker at the wrestling match. Um, most people know that Bruce Campbell is playing the MC. He actually plays three different characters across the Sam Raimi movies, which I love. Love, love, love. Um, my favorite probably being two, although three is pretty funny. I don't plays remember. A two, he's a guy who's blocking him in to see Mary Jane's performance at a theater. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in three, he's like a maitre d' at a restaurant. Nice. And he's having fun with all of them. Um, Macho Man Randy Savage is the wrestler yeah. he fights. He's playing a guy named Bonesaw, and he goes, you're going nowhere. Oh, so good. Love it. Oh, God, got to love that, right? Um, and then, yeah, you know, um, Elizabeth Banks is here. People probably remember that. She's Betty Brant. She's the secretary at the Daily Bugle. It, was she anything at that point? No, it's pretty, pretty much early. one of her early roles. And okay. Bill, good, good, you know, Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi's brother is there, and Bill Nunn, there's the guys that are his kind of flackies at the Daily Bugle. All that stuff works across the all three movies really well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's reference to, like, Eddie couldn't get a photo. Um, I think they're trying to say it's Eddie Brock, but I think in the third movie, Eddie Brock is introduced, like, as, like, a new employee, so there's a little bit of continuity problem for you, but Awkward. that's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay, I love Willem Dafoe. I think the I the major fatal mm-hmm. flaw of mm-hmm. the movie mm-hmm. is just that goofy-ass helmet. It's just the mask. <laughs> like, what, what, what were they stupid. doing? And, I, and it's, it's too big. It's no more it, the biggest and the and the moment it's the worst is when he like kidnaps Spider Man, gasses him, mm-hmm. brings him up to a rooftop, and is trying to like get him to recruit, trying to recruit him to the other side, which he doesn't take his mask off. Mm-hmm. Like Spider, I never understand why people stop these heroes when their first thing isn't to just like pull the mask off. But because he wasn't motivated by that, he didn't care at yeah. that point. In the movie. Like, respect the game, the anonymous game they're probably playing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, like, lays back on the window with this helmet on. And yeah, it's just too big. It actually looks... It's the glossy green eyes when he's flying around that's it's worse. Mm-hmm. It's actually not too bad if the eyelings are open and you can see Defoe's eyes mm-hmm. and his mouth through the other mouth. Yes, yeah, so when you can see his mouth, which yeah. is only in, like, one the scene. End, the, and the last scene, he he has that. because I mean, it's important that he doesn't know it's, it's um, Norman Osborn, but... Um, Defoe's so big. I, I I love how his eyes come through, even in that tiny little air. Like he, like most people, you shouldn't be able to see how big his eyes are in that oh, scene. But you just, can see his. He brings crazy eyes so, so much. That works, but like it's just the combination of it just being very shiny. The CGI of the goblin on the glider is not amazing. Oh, it looks real bad. And you know, so it just kind of like hinders the movie. And I think that. Um, you know, that's a it's it's just a it's a cornball move one too far, it seems like. It it it's like that they picked Green Goblin because they're like, Oh, this will be perfect. He's the iconic killer. He's the iconic Spider Man villain. He's, He's number perfect. one. He's the number one guy. But you know, if you look back at all the drawings of Green Goblin they're all fucking dumb looking. Like, well, and how is he the iconic villain? He's, he's so na- stupid he's, looking. He's the main nemesis, right? And and, and by the way, this movie knows it's a problem because in part three, when James Franco turns into the new Goblin, he doesn't wear a mask. And in the new movie, when Green Goblin comes back, he has the mask on for like a wide shot once, and, and then, then it probably broken. It. And then he smashes it. It's like, which don't is worry, like... we're not doing that. Um, but... So clearly, we know that it just doesn't it doesn't work, right? The only time I like it is when he's uh, there's a scene when Defoe is like talking next to his fireplace. 
to the mask that's hanging off a chair. That I found funny. Because <laughs> he's, like, talking to it. He's, like, like talking him. to himself to the mask. He, yeah. yeah, I think... I don't think there's a recommendation to make that mask better, yeah. to make it look better. There's no, nothing they could have done. Yeah, it's... Like, nothing. It's tough, right? Um, as far as, like, your big climax goes, I think this actually is some of the better CGI work on the bridge. Um, looks pretty good. I like that the final fight after that kind of, like, save the... And by the way, it's doing that, uh, what are you going to pick, these people or your Mary Jane? Innocent children or the love of your life. And it's something that we saw in Batman Forever. And you, we made, we both made a comment, like, oh, yeah, this is just from Batman. But you're actually referencing it in another Batman movie. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's Two-Face. This is a Two-Face situation. Right. Yeah, it is. From the bat... From the... the, 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 the yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm just like... Which movie is that? Where, uh, you know... Dark Knight? Where Maggie Gyllenhaal gets... Yeah, man, we're just spilling it. Because he picked her, but then whatever, Two-Face light him. Was it Two-Face or Joker? Was that the Joker scene? That's a Joker, because Two-Face is the one that actually gets scarred up and burned. Oh, that's right. But you're right, the Two-Face was there. Okay. He just became Two-Face. Um, yeah, it's a Joker thing, but no, I mean, it's a very interesting trope, but I, what I like about it, um, uh, the way the Batman forever does this is like, he has a, Val Kilmer gives like a kind of a clunky, uh, speech about like, I am both this and that mm-hmm. this movie like does that just by action. It's like Spider-Man, he saves, he saves both. He goes after both. That's what he does. Spider-Man's a guy. And that's kind of what, what I love about the last scene. The thing that Roger Ebert's complaining about when he like... Mary Jane declares her love for Peter Parker and he turns her down. And that's because, like, he, this is him just constantly fighting this battle of, like, who he is. He's the person who's going to save everybody. He's not going to take a, make a selfish choice in that regard. And he doesn't want to take a selfish choice. And so he will literally throw himself off a building or a bridge and will sacrifice himself to do save everybody because that's what Peter Parker does. And that's a theme that runs through all these Spider movies, including the new one, where he thinks that he can save all the villains. And that's just what Peter Parker does. Yeah, he's he's got this very, like, black and white thinking. It's like all or nothing. And but he's, he's young. All. He's young, and that makes he's sense. He's young, and he can't... And that's what makes yeah. him great, too. Sure. That's what makes him great is that he will make these choices and he'll sacrifice himself before he, you know, there's not a, I mean, it's, it's maddening, right? Like he has superpowers and like Spider-Man's always poor. Like it's frustrating. Like you could probably like make some public appearances and make some money. You know what I mean? Yeah. I appreciate how the newer Marvel shows, uh, like Winter Soldier's kind of like shining a light on that. I wish they do it more, frankly. And the last one we watched with uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, whether these guys are like, yeah, it's they don't like, really care about us when we're not like saving the world. Yeah. You know? Like they still have to like buy their own stuff and they're like still still got bills to pay. Yeah, so. I kind of like that angle of it, too. And that is a very much like a more of a Marvel thing versus DC. DC, they're always treated like gods, living larger than life, whereas all the Marvel heroes are just like, well, I'm Hawkeye, you know, I'm not like getting an yeah. endorsement deal. Even if you don't have a secret identity, yeah. like, yeah. It, I, I like that. And so, I, yeah, I really like this ending, especially as it kind of ties into, um, you know, the next movie where he's just constantly like, one of the conflicts I like about the second one is that you know, he's clearly told her, I can't be with you. But, like, she knows that he's into her and there's a reason why he's not doing this. And it's just, I like that internal conflict where she's, like, moving all their life. But, like, they both know, like, this is stupid. You know, like, I, I like that conflict set up. And I like how this movie ends on a down note. That it ends on this thing of, like, I'm Spider-Man. I don't get the girl. I gotta go be Spider-Man. And I like that. I guess. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you're high on this movie. 
Oh, and I never was. Oh, I think I like it more now than I did. I think I was probably harsh on it when I was 18 and reviewing it. Um, I do think that there is a big tonal, like the shift is, is still drastic, and I don't love the Green Goblin work, but or the visual effects of mm-hmm. it. But I mean, there's enough fun in it. And I, I really appreciate the, the, like I said, I'm a big fan of groundwork. Like, the they were able to do, this is kind of when we talked about Harry Potter, the Harry Potter movies. Like, nobody really thinks those first two movies are, like, the best in the franchise. But you gotta give it credit for, like, getting the casting right. For them, I mean, maybe you disagree on the casting, but on Spider-Man. But, um, you know, like, the, the establishing Again, the world. I you don't, know? yeah, it is really hard to do the world, world, the world establishing. Thing. And like you said, this this movie is the one that like went through all the beats of the origin story yeah. that had me that tainted my like I don't want to hear origin stories anymore. Like we I just, don't want them. I was just talking to a friend uh, who said he oh I, I just rewatched Spider Man two because like a lot that's uh, usually my go to thing. I'm like I just want to jump to Sp- Spider Man two because like I don't need to do the whole groundwork thing, right? Yeah, but for us it was painful. good to see. It was for the kids yeah. too to watch. And by the way, our four-year-old did not appreciate the jump scare of, like, a flash of Green Goblin. He didn't appreciate a lot of it. I Um, mean, this is PG-13 for a reason. It's a little intense, but there's not gunplay in it, which I thought was good. There Uh, isn't, but it's, like, people die. Like, the scientist gets killed in the beginning. Oh, I covered... I was... I was, uh messing with him that I knew that was coming so I kind he of he caught because then it's like the then like three scenes later the, it's like the he's d- too young Willem Dafoe characters like oh that scientist he's been murdered yeah no he he was too young for it sure yeah uh, but he and he but luckily he watches like the there's like a, a younger kid version of Spider-Man on Disney yes and, and he throughout knows the Green movie Goblin from that and Green yes. Goblin is very tame you know yeah so throughout the movie him. he kept saying oh this is like in the show yeah and then this character does this and I was yeah. like yeah. Perfect, yeah. So he was kind of connecting the dots, which I thought And was he really wants adorable. to watch Spider-Man 2 now. He's probably the most excited of all of them. And I think all of them enjoyed it, but he yeah. was like, let's watch Spider-Man 2. Yeah, <laughs> even though he was, like, terrified for half of this movie. Oh, he's not... Like, the Green Goblin doesn't look scary. He just didn't like... It's 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 a testament to Sam Raimi. Also, Green Goblin gets killed in the end, and he did not like that at the end. No, he didn't. But, like, I think what he responded to... And I remember when he watched that Sam Raimi-produced, like, Haunted House movie that was on Netflix... Remember that thing with uh, Kristen Ritter mm. as the witch or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. The book one. And, and Sam Raimi didn't direct that, but um, what he was most scared of was like the sequence in which the green, go- like Norman Osborn was getting the dose of the green stuff that was going to turn him into it. Like the intensity of that and the way it was built was There's scary. on-screen tension. Uh-huh. And, and it was and- just really well done. Oh, you know it's good when a four-year-old can tap into it without fully understanding all like what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like you know that they're showing you, they're they're impacting you with the music, and it's impactful when a four-year-old's like, oh, I feel kind of this is like nerve-wracking. Also, I just want to say like our four-year-old's very empathetic. So yeah. when he sees people get hurt, he's like, oh, yeah. ooh, ah, like so- he feels it in his body. So. Yeah, for that's sure. intense for a four-year-old. Well, remind me when we watch Spider-Man Two that I will, we will. I don't want to. I love the scene, but um, he cannot watch like when the, the mechanical arms like take control in the operating room and they go on a murder spree of the yeah. people. Like he can't watch that. That's no. the part that we gotta not let him watch. He's got to go in the other room. Yeah. We gotta fast but forward. What an amazing! That's like Sam Raimi at his most Sam Raimi. That sequence in that movie. But no, not a not. That would probably be very frightening to him. Yes, and he would have a different idea of how. Again. Doc Ock on the show you watches is fairly tame. She's got it, it, she's got arms, mechanical arms, but she's not like you know mm-hmm. murdering people. So yeah, anyway. I don't know. That's it for Spider Man, right? 
Did we cover it? Uh, did we talk about how terrible what's his name is? James Franco. I mean, we're good there, aren't we? <laughs> he's not such. A, he's such a minor. It's not even like a big. It never really lands, and it always kind of feels like an afterthought. It's, it definitely feels that way in the second movie too. So it's like, almost whatever. like could 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 his character yeah. his character only exists to create a bridge between Tobey Maguire and Willem Dafoe. Yeah. That's it's, it. It's only there for a setup of that. So it's totally. like you could just cut him out, which is fascinating because in the Amazing Spider-Man Two, the Andrew Garfield sequel, mm-hmm. they introduce um, what's James Franco's character? Not Norman Osborn, but. Uh, yeah, Harry. Harry. So mm-hmm. Harry Osborn gets introduced in that movie, mm-hmm. but Norman Osborn is like, I think he's in like one scene and he dies. Like, like that is not there. Oh, like they just are skipping all of that part. Mm-hmm. And it, but it's so weird because it's like, hey, my, it's it's even worse than, than what you thought in this movie. Like Harry shows up, he's like, hey, it's my best friend Peter Parker. It's like your best friend that wasn't in the last movie. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. it just doesn't make any. It makes even less sense. But weird. that movie's got three villains and it's got a whole, whole lot of other issues too. So. Anyway. Yeah. Again, Spider-Man. I'm not saying Tobey Maguire was a bad actor. I'm saying it was a choice uh-huh. that several people made. Did you lose money to him playing poker or something? Or No. He's like known for being like a poker guy. Okay. Yeah. You're doing your Tyler speaker. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking like about? Poker guy. So what I'll say is my opinion flipped on the rewatch. I My opinion improved of Willem Dafoe, like loved him, like yeah. star of the movie. Yeah. And of Kirsten Dunst. Who I think that like at the time it was fun to hate on her. Yeah, I'm saying you're a hater. You're a Chris. I think Dutt's I was, hater. and uh, no change on Franco. Nah, he's still. And I flipped good. on Tobey Maguire. Like I don't know. Okay, but I'm hoping like he gets more interesting as a character in the yeah. next movie. I can't really remember. I think so, but I think the Spider-Man Two is one of the best superhero movies ever made. So there you go. I'm just drawn to characters who are a little quippy, a little witty, a little you know sassy. He's not sassy. He's not. Well, he doesn't New quite Spider-Man's do the New Spider-Man's sassy, and I kind of like that. He's like, he speaks, he blurts too much. I kind of like that. I, yeah, I connect I like, to that. I like what Tom Holland's doing, sure. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, there's there's a place for the Tobey Maguire There's type a place for Miles Morales. He's great. He's the best Spider-Man. I can't Spider-Man. wait for that new movie, actually. Into the Spider-Verse or whatever. The new the new one of those comes out in the fall. So Animated? Yeah. They're back. They're back, baby. Yeah. So... All right, well, that was our episode, Old Millennials Remember Spider-Man from 2002. All right. Thanks for listening, and we will talk at you another movie. We'll meet again, Spider-Man. But that's not a thing that's said. Why are you saying that? He does. Who says that? Green Goblin says it when he's flying away. He's like, we'll meet again, Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. For the ultimate spin.